it's been hard lately in order to like find messages to, to preach. Just kind of given our, our situation and, and you know, the, the announcement that was made um, two months-ish, month how would you say that? Two-ish months ago. There we go. Tried to add the ish on the month and that does not work at all. Um, two-ish months ago, uh, just in the sense of leading that my wife and I have, have had from the Lord in order to, to step down from um, being an elder and, and kind of a lead teacher uh, and pastor within the church and um, just still having confirmation to do that, but also at the same time, not, not really like a clear like next path for us. So that's been some difficulty for us. And I recognize that uh, as a congregation, that it's also kind of been that, that same kind of thing. Like, like here's a change that's happening. Uh, and then there hasn't been like a really clear definition or timeline for that. And then also on top of that, there really isn't any clear like, here's the next step going forward. Uh, part of that process uh, is that uh, we have a number of elders that will be coming next week on August 6th. Uh, one of them will be sharing uh, a message, and then there'll be a time uh, for some questions and answers and discussion afterwards, um, and that should help bring some, some clarification and some direction on that. But in the meantime, we're still kind of like in this season, and, and it's tough because like as I look at doing messages, that the question is like, do we just kind of continue on in Hebrews? Like, like that's the series that we've been on, and so do we just kind of like plod along within Hebrews? And, uh, and if that's the case, we're actually ahead a little bit um, compared to the other two uh, locations, and, and so we would just kind of continue to forge uh, on that path, and it just doesn't necessarily sit right with me as I pray and, and seek the Holy Spirit in, in how to go forward in that. And so as I'm looking for this morning and kind of acknowledging like, yeah, this, this is hard and it's difficult and it's, it's hard to get up here too, like knowing that, and, and again, not that I'm going to be done preaching or teaching, just that it's going to be different for me, but, but there's like this sense even of like, how many more of these are there? You know, how many more communion type things? And, and it gets difficult. Um, and so as I was kind of praying about what to share, um, something kind of struck uh, my mind. It was a message that I actually prepared uh, a while ago and f actually almost a year ago to this date. It was a message that I had written, um, I think it was supposed to start in like August or September. Uh, it was a series that never took shape. Uh, and so I kind of had this message and I was reminded by it about a t-shirt that I have uh, that I wear sometimes. And some of you may have seen it or not, but on it there's like this, this picture or silhouette of a buffalo. Uh, and then it says, enter the storm. Uh, and it's just this really cool thing uh, about buffalo. Like when a storm is, is coming towards them, most other cattle, most other cows are like, let's get out of here. They'll, they'll kind of run away. They'll scatter. They'll, they'll freak about a little bit. Um, but bison or, or, or buffalo just tend to like face it and be like, okay, let's get through this. And part of it has to do with, like, their bulk and everything's, like, right in front. Um, but their mindset is, like, I can't get away from this. Uh, and so, therefore, let's face it. It's not necessarily the sense of embracing, like, some pent-up machismo type thing. Like, all right, let's do hard things and let's get through this. And I think some people take the shirt that way. But the way I like it is, like, okay, difficulties happen. 
struggles happen, things in life get hard, and the question is, uh, how do we face these things? And so we're going to be taking a look at um, facing difficult things in life, uh, as well as kind of biblical directions and guidance in different ways to face it, and, and then how to get through it. Uh, and so that's where we're kind of going this morning. I want to pray first, and then we'll get into this. Uh, Lord, we come before you, and we thank you for your holy word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit uh, and your work within us. Uh, that we are not alone, uh, that we have communion and unity with you, uh, even to the extent where Jesus prayed on the night that he was betrayed, the night that he gave communion, at the same meal a prayer that we may be one as, with you as you are with the Father, and that we may be one with each other as well. So we're not alone in facing this. Uh, and Lord, as we consider the difficulties in life, uh, I pray that we would anchor ourselves in your word uh, to the hope that you give us and the guidance that you give us to go through these things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, as we're looking at difficult things in life, uh, it's just a simple acknowledgement that those things are going to happen. There's going to be difficult things that happen. Uh, some of them might be because of our own choices. Right? There's consequences to some things that we do, and as a result, we might face some difficult circumstances. Uh, but other things, uh, such as storms, uh, we can't necessarily control. Right? The, the science isn't there yet where we can like, point like a radar dish and like, say, all right, divert the storm kind of uh, around us. Uh, as much as there's certain circumstances where we wouldn't mind doing that. Uh, in fact, last year... Um, I was with uh, Christian and his boys on a backpacking trip um, up in the UP um, along kind of pictured rocks. And, and so we're kind of going along the, the shoreline up there. Absolutely beautiful if you've never been up there. Uh, but it's a five-day, four-night backpacking trip where you're kind of carrying everything on your back as you head out, your, your food, your shelter, your clothing, all that stuff. And I think it was day three or two or something like that where we're kind of hiking and we're watching uh, the weather and we're seeing kind of this storm come off of Lake Superior, right? And so you can actually like see a ways out and there's like this front coming towards us. Um, and we had already packed up and so everything's on our back and we're heading to the next campsite. And, and so there's that kind of a sense of like, oh, we can't avoid this. So, so what do we do? Like, like to get back to the cars and to drive to a hotel is a day and a half of hiking, so that's not an option to, to like sit there and kind of huddle under some trees. Okay, lightning, not the best option either. Uh, and so we decided just to kind of like the storm's coming. We have to continue on and, and get to the campsite and some rain started to get to us. And, and in God's grace, like as soon as we got to the campsite, the rain actually stopped. We were able to dry everything out and then... Like later that night, it, it rained again. And we'll get into a little bit more of that story as we go. But just kind of illustrate, like, there's certain circumstances in our life where we're in seasons that we cannot avoid, we cannot change. And our approach makes a difference. And I think we're in that season right now. Like, I am for sure. Uh, and so in some ways, this message is a very selfish message because I need to remind myself of this. Um, but I also think we're in that same season as a church, as we're seeking God, what's next? And, and we don't necessarily know, or there's some unknown stuff. And, and maybe it's not just circumstances where it's the church's situation, but maybe there's things in your own life. 
things that you're facing, things that you're struggling with, difficulties in life, relationships, jobs, finances, health, any number of different things can be these storms in our life. And the way that we approach these um, matters. And, and so we tend to have like three different categories of, of ways to approach these, at least three that I could come up with. Uh, the first one is that we can try and run to avoid conflict and struggles. So anywhere we sense that there might be a conflict or a struggle, nope, I'm not there, I'm, I'm leaving. Uh, and so that's the first option. We'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, the second option uh, is to try and ignore that conflicts happen, that difficulties happen, ignore their existence, um, or just try to like hide and, and just kind of like, okay, I have to endure this and survive this. And, and kind of that mindset becomes almost um, painful as you go through something just kind of like, how much longer? Like, it's like a kid in a car. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Because they're so focused on how long it's taking, they're constantly asking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? In fact, I was just on a, a trip with some friends, uh, I think it was last weekend, to a wedding. And, and that question came up from the kids in the car at least a dozen times. How much longer? How much longer? How much longer? And, and in doing so, like, I'm sure it felt even longer to them instead of finding something else to focus on. I think the third thing uh, that we can do when difficulties in life come uh, is to acknowledge or sometimes even embrace the fact that they're there and that we can intentionally choose how to approach those and how to go through those things. Uh, and so we're going to dig into these three different things. The first scenario, again, we try to avoid conflict and struggles uh, at all costs. And so if we're taking a look at that concept or that illustration and that, that story of backpacking, it would be that sense of, nope, not going ever backpacking. Like, like storms might happen, difficulty might happen, somebody might twist an ankle as we're like two days out into our hike and, and now we have to hike back. Like, like we're talking 50 miles from point to point. So, so we hiked 50 miles away from the vehicle and then ended up getting a shuttle in order to come back. So when you're in the middle, like where the storm happened, we're 25 miles away from the end and a shuttle, and we're 25 miles away from the vehicle. And so that idea of avoiding a conflict or struggle at all costs, and, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, maybe you don't enjoy putting yourself in those situations, but that mindset would be like, nope, not backing, packing at all. I, I don't want to take the risk of something like that happening. Uh, biblically, there's an example here. Uh, if we go to Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to read verses 24 through 25, uh, this is towards the end uh, of the parable about the talents. Uh, and so Jesus is telling this parable about a master who's going to be leaving, and he's got three servants. And he goes to those three servants, and he gives to one, um, I forget how many talents. Is it ten? Ten talents, right? Can I get a confirmation, like clear, like raise your hand, like thumbs up. Is it ten? Okay, somebody, thank you. All right, 10 talents. Another one, five, and another one, one. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. Five, two, and one. I think there's two different parables, and I think the number's different, which may be why I'm waffling between my numbers. Anyways, goes to three servants, gives them each a number of different talents, uh, and then he heads away to go take care of his business. As he comes back then, the, the servants come up to him, and the first one's like, here's what I did with your talents. And his response was like, all right, great. 
Like, you're in charge of some cities now, and, and here's some talents. It goes to the second one, kind of a same thing. Like, all right, great, you were faithful. Here's the response to the third in verse 24. A man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. And then in that, the master responds, and I forgot to put these verses in here, uh, about him being a wicked and unfaithful servant. One that didn't acknowledge what the master was calling him to do, and out of his avoidance of conflict was actually disobedient to what the master had wanted him to do. And so as we go through life, um, we can face these types of situations where God is calling us to work on stuff within our lives. Things that might be difficult, sins or habits that we need to get rid of or, or to embrace or to, to sacrifice our time and our efforts or our money in order to serve. Things that might be really hard for us to do as we have to crucify our flesh and submit, as Jesus said, and your will be done, not my own. And we face those difficulties, and as that's hard, we're like, oh, that just feels too hard. You know, I'm probably not going to be very good at it. I, I don't think I'm going to be very good at, like, reaching out to others. I'm not going to be very good with uh, donating my time. Um, I, you know, this sin has just been so hard in my life. I don't think I have the strength to overcome it. And if that's our attitude, we can actually hide the way that this servant did and try to avoid that struggle that it takes for spiritual growth. And in doing so, we end up with nothing. There is no growth that happens because all we've did is just hit the pause button and say, I'm not dealing with that. And in which case, we will face God. And thankfully to his grace and his mercy, there is forgiveness. But there's also that passage where it talks about we have a foundation in Christ. We have salvation in Christ, but what we build on top of that matters. And if we build with hay and stubble, it's going to get burned up. And though we're saved and we get into heaven, it's going to be as though one through the fire. But if we build on our life through this struggle and recognizing these opportunities for God to grow within us, uh, that things that we build on top with gold and silver, they will remain and be heavenly rewards. And so the way that we face things matters. We can't be like this servant that just hides, but rather says, okay, this is going to be hard, but I'm going to do the best that I can do and trust in our master's mercy and grace. The second thing that can happen uh, as we try to avoid conflict and struggles uh, is to then choose to easily go along with things of society. Like we're called to be not part of this world. At First Peter, it says that we're aliens and strangers in this world. And so the life of a redeemed Christian indwelled by the Holy Spirit is foreign to the world around us. Meaning that our choices will look different. Our actions will look different. Our priorities should be different. And if we're walking faithfully in those things, there will be difficulty. We may not face it as, as completely as our brothers and sisters in China or the Middle East where it's like in their face and they have to be in underground churches. But I think sometimes Satan's attack against our faithfulness is almost more dangerous when it's less confrontational. Right? So, so if our brothers and sisters in China don't have church, 
Okay, well, we're not going to do that, and so therefore, they have underground church. Right? But our society, more through pressure, not by law, says, um, don't talk about this, don't talk about that, don't say homosexuality is a sin, don't approach this, don't bring this up, let everybody be. And so the temptation then is, is to either be complacent and hide, or to shift and easily go along with the flow of society. And we see that happening in so many different churches today where they'll take and shape and twist Scripture to fit social agendas and say, oh, it's just tradition that's been wrong the whole time. This is a malleable, changeable thing instead of reading the last verse in the Bible where it says if anybody adds to these words or changes them, like condemnation is upon them. That is a hard and firm thing to hold to and if we shift with the flow of society, we're trying to avoid conflict a lot of times. Romans 12 addresses this. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies or your lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God is. Again, it's not just facing society, but it could be transforming and renewing our mind and actions in the way that we respond to things. Maybe before Christ, we um, responded in anger. And what he's calling us to do is transform the renewing of our minds so that we follow the will of God instead of responding the way that we used to in the world. Or, or the way that would be expected within the world. Forgiving when others are like, you should not forgive. And we look at the passages in Matthew where he says, forgive because you have been forgiven. It's a hard thing to do and it requires the changing of our mind versus going with the flow of society or what mankind's wisdom is. It's another way we can hide is not by pressing into that, that conflict. The second thing uh, that we try and do, the difficult things in life, uh, is pretend that they don't exist. Or ignoring that difficulty and that conflict. And so kind of in that illustration or the story of going backpacking, it would be like preparing to go out into the woods for five days, at some point being 25 miles away from a vehicle, uh, and out there and be like, you know what? Storms don't exist. Rain doesn't exist. Um, bugs don't exist. And so therefore, I'm not going to bring bug spray. I'm not going to bring a rain jacket. Who cares about protecting the stuff within the backpack? We're just going to kind of go out there. Bears don't exist, so let's just leave our food out and mice and all those things. And so you just kind of go, and then you're just surprised when everything falls apart. Right? So like, if you go out into that backpacking and you're pretending that bears aren't there, and you just kind of leave all of your food out, you're going to be hungry for the next three days. And maybe not bears, but squirrels, porcupines, skunks, any number of different things that are out there that would love to eat your food. Or you're out there and you're like, storms don't happen. And so you don't have that rain jacket or the rain gear, and next thing you know that you're soaked, and you've got a cold and wet slog for the next three days. Because you're not prepared, pretending that those aren't there. Now, how does this apply spiritually? A lot of times when it comes to conflict in our life, which often comes through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, 
right? He reveals to us things that we need to work on, things that we need to change, sins that we need to repent of, uh, things that he'd like us to do. We could just ignore that. We could just pretend like it's not there. And in fact, as Jesus talks, he talks about this concept uh, of a rafter in the eye, and there's this idea of, like, like, don't go and try and take the straw out of your brother's eye without taking out the rafter in your own eye or acknowledging that it's there. And a lot of times we look at that particular teaching saying, uh, okay, like, we shouldn't judge others. And in reality, what that whole teaching is saying is like, okay, your brother has a straw in your eye. Recognize you have issues too and you both need Jesus. And instead of sitting there and judging and picking on him and never acknowledging what your own thing is. But the whole idea of it is that there's aspects that we're just completely blind to because we ignore. We, we tend to set aside or push onto a back shelf. Could be things that God is calling us to step out in in faith in order to do things for his kingdom. Well, that feels difficult. So, so let me just kind of shelf this over there and, and I'll get to that eventually when I get all my ducks in a row. When I have enough saved up for retirement, when this problem with my house isn't there, when this relationship comes into line, once this happens, once this happens, once this happens. And we saw that was what Jesus was even saying when people came and he was calling them to follow him. And one said, well, I got to go check on a, what was it, a camel? I need to go bury my father first. I need to go inspect land first. Like, like I want to do this thing that you're calling me to do, but it's almost like we're intentionally saying, I don't want it in my perception. I, I just want to set it aside and deal with what I want to deal with first. That's for a way for us to ignore um, something that may be difficult for us to step out into, but in a good way. Other aspects uh, are different sins or convictions that God is calling us to stop doing or to change. And like, oh, I want to get to that later. Maybe it's a television series that you're like a little convicted that is this the best thing to watch? But you know what? I, I want to see how the story ends. And so like I'm just going to get through the end of the story and, and then I'm just going to be done with it. And we can have all kinds of different reasonings within our minds of saying, no, I'm not going to deal with this. I don't want to deal with this sin. I don't want to confess with this sin because of the mess that it's going to make. And all along, it's something that's even more infectious and continues on. And as we build up calluses and to the point where God's mercy and his grace causes things to happen, where he works on it and brings it in front of us in our attention. And we're thankful for that, but we do not want to willingly choose or pretend or set something aside uh, to our own detriment. We can do it by ignoring it, um, hiding in entertainment, relationships, or different idols, trying to keep ourselves constantly busy through work or hobbies in order not to think of or be distracted by uh, what God is calling for us to do. If that happens, we're focused on two different things. We're focused kind of on our will and our desire, and we want to follow after God, but it ends up being this tug of war within us as we want to follow God, but also at the same time we're really saying, I want to ignore this part of working with God. We have a couple of verses that apply to this. first one is in James chapter 1, verse 6. Uh, it's talking about prayer, but he says, Let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. 
Uh, and so there's one way to look at this passage, and that is like, okay, if we're, we're asking God, we have a prayer request for something, we, we should ask in faith and not doubting, because if we are doubting God's goodness, we can kind of be tossed around a little bit. And there's some truth to that, but I think a, a better translation of this word for doubting um, is divided loyalties. Again, when it comes to faith, like we have absolute faith in God, but do we also have faith in other things? And so if we're feeling like God's calling us to, to trust him more instead of our finances, and we're kind of saying, yeah, like, like I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to use my finances for God's kingdom, but, but I need to have this amount first. We actually have faith and trust in two different things. Uh, trusting God wants to use my finances, absolutely, but within my timeline, within my control. And so faith is actually divided there, or this sense of, you know, this doubting. I'm, I'm, I'm trusting God, but I'm kind of doubting his best plan, so here's my plan. And that's where this divided loyalties come in. So let us have faith without divided loyalties. For the one whose loyalties are divided is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. And this makes much more sense now. That if we want to follow after God and everything that he has, and yet we hold on to doubts and worries and stresses and how will money come in and what will we do in the next month or whatever it is, we hold on to those two things, our life, our, our inner person can feel an absolute turmoil that is shaken back and forth by circumstance and trusting God and circumstance and then saying, God, why aren't you changing the circumstance? And then the circumstance is still there and it's all kinds of stress and anxiety and worry and frustration and anger and then shut down and avoidance and hiding and we go through these cycles through many different aspects of our life. And so we're called to have uh, this faith and to not ignore what God has for us to do. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 12, puts it this way, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach the unity and the faith and the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. This is talking about the work of the Holy Spirit within us as individuals and as a church, meant to be ministering to one another, to be doing the work uh, of ministry, as we grow up into maturity in Christ. And as we do that, as we grow, then we will no longer be little children tossed about by the waves and blown about by every wind of teaching or human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. And so what this is saying is that in order to avoid being tossed around, we need to have intentionality of growth which doesn't happen if we pretend struggles don't exist, that difficulties don't exist, and we just kind of like huddle and wait for it to pass by or hope that it never happens. If we do that, it's like going backpacking and we haven't prepared ourselves. It will come and it will be absolutely miserable. But if we do the preparation, seeking that growth in Christ, we become prepared and we're no longer tossed around because we're firmly anchored in full faith in him instead of having one foot uh, in two different camps. 
The third way uh, that we can approach difficulty, so again, the first one was to try and avoid conflicts and struggles, not even putting ourselves in that position. Second one is trying to ignore that they're there or hoping that they just go away without us having to experience it. Uh, the third one is to, uh, to choose to approach difficulty by accepting that it's there. Perhaps even sometimes embracing that it's there. That idea of that buffalo, that bison, here comes the storm, okay, I'm going to face it. And we'll get through this. So that idea of, of going backpacking, we're out on that, that trail and we, we got there and it was done raining. And uh, thankfully, again, grace of God, there was this window where the sun came out. All of our stuff was able to get dried off. We, we got our tents and we were kind of looking at the weather app when we had reception. We saw like a much bigger storm was actually on the way. And so we're just like, all right, let's do everything that we can. Make sure that the tents are kind of staked down. We don't have the option to get up and try and hike to the car. There's no way we're going to outrun this storm. Uh, and it's one of the craziest um, experiences that I've ever had in my life as my tent, like I'm in this tent. I was just me in this tent, and it's like this way because of the wind. And, and the floor underneath me was literally a waterbed. Like I could push down and like feel the water underneath. The thunder was almost constant. It was so loud. I've got a video. I wish I would have thought to bring and put up the video. But like literally our tents, like here's Amy in one, that's a different tent. I'm literally here and I'm saying, how are you doing? What? Like we couldn't hear each other. It was so loud with this rain coming down. And there was two different ways to approach that. The first one was to be like, okay, let's just hope that this goes by and no preparation. But instead, because we were prepared for this, it was almost approaching it with a sense of this is a growing experience. We can face this as an adventure. There's mistakes that we might have made in the way that we prepared, but we can learn from these things. We can grow from these things. And honestly, now it's one of my fondest memories, even though in that moment we're like, are we all going to get washed into the lake? But then we would have went through that together too and helped each other through that. And so there's that idea of, all right, it's coming. We prepare the best that we can. We trust God and we'll work together regardless of what happens. And so that's how the other way and the way that God instructs us uh, to be able to face these things. Not doing it in our own strength, not trying to have this worked up false machismo where we look at the shirt and be like, yeah, let's do tough things into the storm. But it's more like, it's coming. And we can just face it. And we'll be able to get through it with God's strength. We recognize that as he works through struggles, there is purpose in this. Romans 8, 28 says, We know all things work together for the good of those who love God and those that are called according to his purpose. This is one of those cliche verses that are quoted a, a lot. But the truth is, he will work together for the good of those who love him and are called to his purpose. If you're here and you are a redeemed Christian, a son or daughter of God, this verse literally is saying, regardless of the difficulty that you face, God will work in it for your good. You may not like going through it, but he will use it. And he will use it for eternal good. May not result in our plan going the way that we would like our plan to go. Our goals being met the way that we have our goals set. But he will use it for the good of our soul. He would use it for the good of the souls of others. And he will use it anchoring it in eternity. 
Earlier in this chapter, uh, in chapter 8, Paul says, I consider the present troubles of this world as not worth comparing to what's going to be revealed to the sons of God within heaven. In other words, the things that we're going through right now, and I'm paraphrasing that, but the things that we're going through right now aren't worth comparing to what's going to be revealed to us by God throughout the rest of eternity. Meaning that the most difficult thing that you have ever, ever, ever been through in your life will fade in comparison to what God can either do with it or what he will do with it for others. The example, and I know I've brought it up in the past, but at least with my life and, and my wife, uh, was that of a stillborn uh, child that we had, had to go through. Where I was at 15 weeks, um, you know, all of a sudden, 16 weeks, you know, we go in for a regular checkup and, and there's no, no heartbeat. Uh, and so then there's the swarm of doctors and the checking out of things and, and come to find that the heartbeat, and, and then the prayers of like, you know, can you resurrect this baby like right now? That they'll do a double check and all of a sudden the heart rate will be there. And then turning into having to induce labor and spending the night, two nights in the hospital uh, for my wife to go through labor uh, and eventually to hold our, our daughter that fit into the palm of my hand. And one of the most difficult and hard things I've ever, ever been through in my life. And yet seeing how God has used that. By us being willing for him to use that. That's, that's one of those things where we can pretend like it didn't happen. That we didn't go through that. We can bury it in our lives and, and never try and face that pain again. That would be hiding from God being able to use it. But Romans 8 says that he works together for good of those who love him. And so even though we question why we went through that, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt he has used it in powerful ways as we've been willing to share it. We've had other people minister to us to help us heal in that process that if we would have hidden it, we never would have had that. He's used it to help us minister to others that have gone through that same difficult circumstance. And having been through it ourselves, to be able to truly mourn and weep with them. To be able to help them find comfort in what they're going through. There's still questions in my mind at times, like, why did that happen? And there's still times that we mourn, and, and we have a box that we bring out every year in order to mourn. And sometimes we're even mourning the, the potential of what could have been. But also in that, we look forward to that day that when we get to see her and, and celebrate and that's going to make everything fade away. That's what this verse is saying. It's not saying that we're never going to go through difficult things. Or that difficult things still won't hurt even years after that they happen. But if we allow him to work in them, he will use them for good. Both for us and for others. And certainly in the light of all of eternity. It's trusting him to take these things and for us to be able to grow with them and to trust him in it, regardless of how painful it may feel in the moment. No one would willingly charge into that storm. No one would willingly say, okay, yeah, let's do this. Here's an opportunity to go through this hardship. Yep, let's jump in. Nobody would do that. But the fact is these things come. And if our mindset is, God's going to use it, it starts us off in that foundation of faith right away.
instead of that doubling mindset where doubt and faith mix and it adds and just creates anxiety and stress in our life. It's that choice of standing on these promises. In other words, in James chapter 1, where it says, Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let the endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Again, this sense of like, here's this thing that's coming. It's going to be difficult. But it's this idea of having joy that through the difficulty comes growth. It was the concept of sitting in that tent during that storm. Parts of it were certainly unpleasant. But another part was, you know when this is over? This is like a huge, cool adventure that I was able to get through. And now I know how to prepare for another storm. I think we're facing that. I'm facing it in our personal life as a family right now where we're like, we don't know what's coming. And that idea of, and I haven't been doing the best job at this, considering it joy because growth is happening. And really, it comes down to that attitude ahead of time and in the midst of it. Because if we don't have that trust that he uses all things for good or that he will grow us through these situations, if we don't have that, we get tossed around by our own desires, our own wants, and how we want things to go. But the promise is he will do this. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we hope and we boast in the glory of God. Again, not our own ability, not our strength to like gut through storms or difficulties, but through Christ. Verse 3, not only that, we also boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our heart through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So again, here's all these promises that through difficulty God works and God grows within us. But again and again, it's our mindset and our approach as we go through it that matters. Second Peter, uh, to wrap up this morning, puts it this way. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. So here's this promise again. We've been looking at promise after promise after promise. This is what God has for you. He's given us everything that's required for life and godliness. Through that, he's given us great and precious promises. Through difficulties, he will grow us, grow our endurance, grow our faith. Here are these promises. But I love this passage and I hate this passage at the same time in 2 Peter. Because he's saying, I'm giving you everything that you need. And in my humanity, I want to be like, that's enough. You've already given me everything that I need. So I can just get through this. And I shouldn't have any problems. And it never works out that way. Because this verse continues on. You've been given these promises. You can share in the divine nature. Verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort. Like, like, here's one of those things in Scripture where, where it's like a duality of approach. 
The passage is saying you've been given everything you need. And two verses later, it says you make all the effort. So we want to look at it and say, I've been given everything. I shouldn't have to make effort. And yet it says make effort. And somehow supernaturally, these two things come together. Because it is not by works, it's not by our efforts that we find salvation and growth. It's only through the work of the Holy Spirit. But what God is calling us to do is to trust in his work on the cross and to participate in faith and in action. Verse 5, make every effort to supplement your faith or your trust in God with goodness. Goodness with knowledge. Knowledge with self-control. Self-control with endurance. Endurance with godliness. Godliness with brotherly affection. Brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. The person who has forgotten this runs from struggle and adversity. The person who has forgotten this hides or pretends like it doesn't exist. They have forgotten that they have been redeemed and that they are sons and daughters of the king. We've been given everything that we need for life of godliness and holiness. But then we're called to take this faith and trust and to supplement it with goodness. Supplement it with, with good things. Focusing on Christ and who He is and what He's done and allowing Him to work within us. To take that goodness and supplement it with knowledge. In other words, to, to be meditating upon His Word and these promises. Not just saying, I've been given everything that I need and then trying to go through it, but to say, I've been given everything I needed and I need to remind myself through this knowledge of Christ and what he's done, taking in and meditating upon these promises, holding on to them so that when the storms of life come, we're not doing it within our own strength and so therefore we're not being tossed around. But we take that knowledge. Once we have that knowledge to use self-control, I believe these promises are true. Self-control is not letting those doubts come in. Not allowing ourselves to follow after distractions or to try and run away from what God is working on. Self-control says, I'm holding to this truth and I'm going to live according to this truth. That self-control then results in endurance. Because it's not a one-time thing. But it's a constant Battle against our flesh to hold to the self-control, reminding ourselves of the knowledge of who Christ is and who he made us to be. It takes endurance and that is developed as we work through it. As that endurance grows, godliness and holiness results. But again, it all takes effort on our part to hold to what he has done, to live out what he has done, and to constantly remind ourselves and others of this and that's why it then brings in brotherly affection and then love. If you do this on your own, you'll get so far. But do it with brotherly affection, brotherly and sisterly affection, family affection within a church, that we're not alone and we can hold on to each other and we're able to endure through that together, reminding ourselves of what Christ has done. If we possess these qualities, again a promise in verse 8, in increasing measure through effort of participating in the work that God is doing, it's his power, we're just walking with that. 
and what he's calling us to do, not hiding from it. If you do this, it will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It will keep you from being tossed around by the storms of life or the uncertainty of what the season holds, whether it's the church or an aspect within your life. And if we do these things with increasing measure, we will have joy because we will acknowledge and fully trust that he is growing us through this season or whatever season you might face. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you. Um, and as we look at these passages and we acknowledge the truth inspired by the Holy Spirit, that your word will not come, become void, that you spoke things into existence, and in being the word, Jesus, you spoke these into existence, that through difficulties we will grow, that you will work out all things for our good, both now and eternity, because you have called us according to your purposes. That there is no suffering this side of heaven that is worth comparing to what you have for us in the future. That storms are difficult for us to go through, but they have a purpose because you give them purpose and growth. And so, Lord, as, as my family faces this season and the unknown, we acknowledge it as a storm, as a church. As we face the season and the unknown, we acknowledge it uh, as a storm. Uh, Lord, for the different circumstances within the lives of the people within this room, we acknowledge that there are storms. And so we just pray that by the strength of the Holy Spirit and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, that we hold to faith. That we hold to faith with goodness. That we continue to meditate upon the knowledge of who you are. That through your power you will give us self-control in holding to that knowledge and not allowing doubt to come in or the temptation to trust in other things. That as we work in that self-control, you will give us endurance for however long the season may be, recognizing that our time here on earth is but a vapor or grass burning in the wind. As we do it with that mindset, you will produce godliness within us that results and grows in brotherly affection as we recognize that we're not alone and we get to go through this as a family put together by Christ. And as we do so, our love will grow and we will find fruit in our life as we trust you. Lord, I pray that you guard us uh, from doing it out of works-based mentality of having to earn this but rather in the sense of joy that we get to participate in the work that you're doing within us. Lord, we thank you for this, and we trust that you will help us to grow in this as well. In Jesus' name, amen.